This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today, we have as our guest, Amy Novotny, founder of PABR Institute, with a mission to provide pain, stress, and anxiety relief to those who seek a naturalistic form of treatment when other treatment methods have fallen short. Her background is in orthopedics, sports, geriatrics, balance disorders, and chronic pain. And I'm Mary Elkins. Amy's methods have helped countless people reduce and eliminate pain, stress, anxiety, orthopedic surgeries, sleep issues, and the need for medications. She's also the author of two books, Don't Quit, Stories of Persistence, Courage, and Faith and the other success habits of super achievers. We will hear how she came to develop the PABR method Welcome, Amy. Thank you both, Kathy and Mary. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Thank you. We'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you found yourself on this career path. And when you get up to the present day, let us know what the PABR stands (laughs) for. Sure, I would love to. So I started off, I got my doctorate in physical therapy and I went that route for a while, about five years. And then I began exploring beyond that, because I was working with people, it could help people get out of pain, help them return to their life. But there was always a segment of the population that was much more difficult to decipher the people who had chronic pain. And so I thought about it, I was like, okay, there has to be more. So I started going down this journey, I started studying about asymmetries in the body and how that affects movement patterns. And then at the time, I was training to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I was running eight miles three times a week on a treadmill, practicing, trying to get faster. And I started playing with my own body. And when I started messing with how I positioned my rib cage and the mechanics of how I breathed, all of a sudden I could get myself out of pain just like that. And I remember specifically getting off the treadmill one day thinking, what has happened? I don't need to stretch. I don't need to foam roll. I don't need to scrape. I don't need to do all these things that I was teaching people as a physical therapist to do. And so I started exploring that more. It's like, okay, what did I do? How did I get myself out of this, you know, chronic runners, aches and pains and everything just went away. And so, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, what I stumble on. And so what I realized was it was working on myself and calming down that fight or flight nervous system So I could feel my muscles internally release without stretching, without doing anything. I could feel them release and my bones went back into position. So the pain went away. 
And it's, it's a very subtle phenomenon that happens. And so I started playing with it because of course, you know, you can't really teach someone else something if you don't know what you did. So I had to practice and experiment, okay, what worked, what didn't work. And so then I started experimenting on it on, you know, patients who came for physical therapy work. I said, hey, can, can I try this on you? I waited to make sure it was someone I knew well enough who didn't mind to be a guinea pig. And so I tried that and they started getting better faster than other healing timeframes. And just, it was, it was incredible. So doctors started sending me people. Um, at first they said, no, if you, if you do those methods, we will not send anyone to you. And so then someone who had a severe injury, a nerve injury, a young kid who was a baseball player, he came to see me because his family knew me and that got a well-known neurologist very interested in what I do because the, the kid healed faster than normal nerve injuries. And so then I started getting people like all different scenarios, health conditions, all these different things that I didn't even know was possible for the human body. Oh, it was, it was pretty crazy. And so then I started getting known for it. People started flying in from around the country and I was hired to keep a world famous photographer out of two major surgeries, a knee replacement surgery and an acute rotator cuff tear with other intended involvement. And so he hired me to coach him on this process and to travel around the world with him. So I did that for about six months and went all the way to the Arctic, all the way down to Antarctica. And I'm interested in photography as well. So I said, sure, I'll give up my whole entire life and go travel around the world with him and his girlfriend and, and just, you know, basically give up my life and photograph and coach him on this process. And so sure enough, he didn't have to have the surgeries and he was obviously very excited about it. And I, I decided during that time, I would start my own business when I got back and of course, I had no clue what I was doing. I was a clinician. I was a healthcare practitioner. I had no idea about business. So I was basically jumping into deep waters and saying, okay, sink or swim, here we go. And, um, you know, the first couple months are always rough when you're starting a new business, you're trying to figure out what in the world you're doing. But I started attending events and I met some very influential people. I helped um, a very famous person who started calling me his body healer. And that helped me get to more events, speaking on different stages. And then I, I was, I grew my business in person. And of course, you know, COVID hit. So a year after I opened, I shut down and I switched to a virtual format. Mm -hmm. And now I can help people all over the world and it just continues to grow. And it's, it's been, it's been a wonderful roller coaster of a journey. And the P-A-B-R stands for? Yes, pain, awareness, breathing, relief. Love and it. Talking about breathing, mm -hmm. you meant you just touched on this, but mm -hmm. how do you heal yourself and heal others through breath work? Sure. And so it's not the traditional breath work that people are maybe familiar with, like four, seven, eight breathing or box breathing. It's it's not like that. It's we have to look at the mechanics of how you breathe because if we want breathing to heal you you have to decide do you want to breathe in a way that heals you or do you want to breathe in a way that ramps you up and so that has to be your first decision how you breathe will actually either ramp you up or calm you down to allow for healing and so the what i teach is calming people down so that their breathing is is a healing factor 
And in order to do that, you have to look at the position of the body in the rib cage. If your rib cage and your body are in the correct position to support your diaphragm, then the diaphragm can work to help calm you down. So it, it's very important when you consider doing any type of breath work or breathing practice that you look at how you're positioning your rib cage because how that is positioned will determine are you going to make yourself more tense and more on edge so your body is focused on some type of danger or are you going to sink your breathing and your position together where the magic happens and calm yourself down to allow for healing to take place how do you know what the right position is that's part of it's part of the process of how i what i teach so it's not just a snap you're done but let me give you a kind of a visualization if you think about the word cage it kind of denotes like a cylinder type structure if you think of like a can of soup okay it's like a rib rib cage is like a cylinder now a can of soup is most stable when it's on its flat base if you tilt it on its edge, it's gonna fall over, becoming unstable. Uh-huh. Our rib cage is the same thing. If our rib cage is vertical and it's in its neutral position, you're stable. But if you do what we are taught from little kid to do, chest out, shoulders back, suck up your gut, you are taking your rib cage, you're hinging off of your low back, you're putting it on its edge. Now you become more unstable now the back muscles kick in that will kick in the fight or flight nervous system your body tenses up now you're in high alert mode hypervigilance wow. and your breathing reflects that then too that is so good i'm yes. so interested in this and why do people believe that pain is synonymous with aging and why is that incorrect So we often think that, okay, I'm just getting older, so I should have pain. I hear that all the time. But if we, but instead, if we look at it as, okay, I've had a lot of stresses over my life. Those stresses cause my body to shift and change. It causes muscles to start to pull abnormally. When those muscles pull abnormally, they start to pull on your bones and change the orientation of your joints you may feel a stiffer joint. You may feel like your joint can't move, but it all comes down to the muscles are what hold your joint in position. So if you feel like you can't move your joint the correct way, guess what? The muscle is usually the culprit. Even if you're bone on bone, we do this all the time, help people out of joint replacements all the time. If you learn to change how the muscle pulls on the bone, and the muscle relaxes to allow the bones to go back into their natural position, guess what? You stop having rubbing of tissues, which created the pain. And so we know as you get older, you've had stressors add up over the years. So if we work on releasing those stressors, so the muscles release their tension, guess what? Your bones go back into position, pain goes away. I'm coming to you. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I'll follow you around the world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And on a different note, Mm -hmm. how do you help entrepreneurs perform at a higher level? So one of the things with entrepreneurs is they have high levels of stress. Many of them are plagued with some type of body pain and they have a lot going at them all the time. So I work with well, a high number of entrepreneurs, some very high profile, 
some running businesses. And what we're working on is calming down the nervous system so they can feel the muscles in their body release so that their energy is not being put towards holding their body in hypervigilant mode, but the energy is now going towards their executive functions of thinking, analyzing, being creative, being imaginative. They can start to focus more of their attention on what they're creating. And the other side benefit is as they learn to feel safe and comfortable and stable in their body, their ability to regulate their emotions improves so they're not so emotionally reactive. And so when something happens with one of their businesses, they can say, okay, I'm gonna just pause a second, let myself come out of the fight or flight state, give me a second, let my brain start to function again so I can then come up with a solution instead of being emotionally reactive on whatever the situation was. It sounds like we must be in fight or flight all the time, like a lot of us, right? Yeah, a lot of us are. If you think about it, all the stressors that we have, work, finances, relationships, kids, parents, driving, um, just any little interactions that we have with others. We can even have intellectual stressors at work or you're trying to figure something out. You can have spiritual stressors. You can have emotional stressors. There's so many different ways. And the problem is we don't reset every day. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to pull our body out of that fight or flight state And so if our body and our breathing are ramped up, all those mental, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual stressors are perceived at a greater danger because our body and our breathing mechanics are ramped up as well. Is there something that we could do every day that's a quick quick fix? (laughs) Um, Would it be breathing or, or what might you suggest? Yeah. So part of it is learning the process of how to change your body position and your breathing mechanics to calm you down. And once you've learned that process, then you can, at the end of the day, practice a little bit to help reduce everything and even practice a little bit during the day. And when I say a little bit, it means five minutes or less just enough to change your nervous system so it stops going in that pattern. Hmm. Now, when you're first learning though, there's a little bit of a process to it Uh because you can start to practice the breathing, but when you go through it, you have to change the way you exhale first, then change the way you inhale, and then learn how to stabilize your body while doing it. So there is that, there is a learning curve to it. But this can be taught to people Mm -hmm. online. Right? Absolutely. Like a visual, like a Zoom, like we yes. are with our podcast. And <laughs> yes. why why is most joint pain blamed on arthritis, which is pro- probably not accurate? So kind of what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about aging and pain. So as people age, they go to a doctor and they say, I have this pain and they'll do an x-ray and they say, well, it's, it's your arthritis just because they see some wear and tear of the cartilage at, mm-hmm. at that joint. But people may just show up with pain, you know, that started two days ago. And it's not as if the arthritis appeared two days ago. The arthritis is something that develops over time. It's a wear and tear of cartilage. But just because you had pain that developed two days ago and they see it on x-ray, that is the arthritis is blamed for the pain. Ah. And so as as kind of was describing earlier, most of the time there is a stressful event that happens that sets off the muscles to contract even more in response to that stress, 
A person goes to sleep, they wake up the next day, they have pain because the muscles tightened and pulled the bones just off position enough where tissues butt up against each other. And when they do that, that creates pain. And that's why some people with arthritis, it's or quite a few people actually, it's not the arthritis that causes the pain. You see a degeneration of the joint and that is there, but often it's the stressors that pull cause the muscles to contract and pull the joint slightly out of position. And I say mm-hmm. that because as soon as the person releases that stress, releases the tension in the muscles, the pain goes away. And the arthritis is still there, but their pain is not there because the pain really wasn't because of arthritis. Ah, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your breath work and mm-hmm. how that works to eliminate pain? Sure. So what we're doing with this type of breathing is we're working with you to get your body into position to create more space in joints because if your body is more in that neutral position you're going to have more space available for your joints then we that allows us to change our breathing mechanics so as you're practicing this type of breathing and you're really accessing the diaphragm that helps your muscles learn to release that tension that was related to stress So when you release that tension, then the muscles release the abnormal hold on the bones. The bones then can go back into position and the tissues that were pinching together no longer are touching. So they don't have that pain response and your joints and mobility goes back to where it was or starts to go back that way. You gave a visual of a soup can and a Uh cylinder Is there some sort of visualization that people ought to do when they're doing the breath work? Um, Yeah, so if you think about your diaphragm, your diaphragm is like a a dome on top of walls. So it's kind of like a silo in a barn. And so when you're breathing, the top of that silo needs to flatten down on top of the walls of the silo. So when that happens is when you draw air in. When you exhale, the dome needs to come back up and form that nice silo shape. So that's kind of what you want to imagine. So I'm trying to get people away from belly breathing because that's not really diaphragmatic breathing. So we want to get people to think, okay, if you have this dome inside you, it needs to flatten down and air needs to draw into you. We don't need to be lifting up our ribs to get air in. Air needs to be drawn into you. And again, there is a process to learning that, but that's the visualization you want. I would learn to love to learn that because mm-hmm. I think most of us envision in the exact opposite of what you just described. Yeah. Yes. So there, I would see that there would be a learning curve on that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how stress can influence pain in our bodies and, and how our emotions are stored in our bodies? Mm-hmm. So stress is stress causes muscles to contract we know stress often we hear the word cortisol it's a hormone that increases when we're under stress but there's also how stress causes muscles to contract when those muscles contract abnormally then they pull on the joints abnormally and the joints then shift in position some tissues start to butt up against each other that then leads to pain so if we work on lowering stress and then work on the body so the body releases that tension that developed 
then the body can get out of pain. Sometimes it's enough just to get rid of stress, but a lot of times a person's body has changed so much that just eliminating the stress isn't enough because the body needs to relearn how to exist the way it was before all that stress piled up. That's the type of people I help is because often the body has changed so much without our awareness because these changes, we often don't feel them or sense them. We don't fe often feel the muscles tightening up. It's typically without our awareness. And so we have to work on getting you to sense and feel that release so the body can go out of position or back into a neutral position. And then how that relates to emotions, that was your other question, is when we have certain emotions in our life, we're triggered by some type of trauma or traumatic event, and whether it's negative or positive, it can get stored in different areas of our body. There are certain areas where I see it show up more, like right in our breastbone, right in our armpits, right in our groin muscles, and then right below our breastbone, kind of where the, the ribs come together. Those are areas where when we are undergoing something traumatic, and it, whether it's something majorly traumatic or even still small on the small scale traumatic, our bodies store emotions and we can, and our muscles tighten up and just guard us there. And so what happens is as you learn how to release certain areas of your body, like those ones that I just mentioned, you might feel this overwhelming release of emotion that comes out of nowhere for you, or you might think it comes out of nowhere, but it's a release and you can feel your body all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now I can exist without having that stored emotion in my body. So it's good to laugh and cry. Yes. All forms. Yes, please. Let it out. Do not store it in. Let your emotions go. Yeah. Uh, you travel around the world using your method. How did that come to be? So that was part of that photographer that I was mentioning who hired me to coach him on this process to keep him out of a couple surgeries that led me to going to Arctic Finland, Arctic Norway, all the way down to Argentina and then Antarctica. And I also travel as well within the United States and was just recently in Belize. So it's allowed me to go many different places because people are interested in this or interested in learning how to change the way they take care of themselves and maybe shift away from different medications or surgeries, especially when I can teach them how they can have control over their body. That's great. I'm feeling calmer just talking to you. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Thank you. And how do you help people out of orthopedic surgeries? How does that happen? How do you mm -hmm. avoid that? Yeah. So let's, we'll take a joint replacement, for example. <laughs> so it's common orthopedic surgery. Mm -hmm. So when we look at you, we're going to look at how is your body structured and how much of your daily activities are done in a fight or flight pattern. Mm. So I don't, I don't touch the joint. All we're looking at is what are your daily movement patterns and how much are you doing them in a fight or flight pattern that's causing an abnormal pull on that joint. And so we start changing things. So first we have to look at your rib cage. We start changing the way you hold your rib cage. In addition to that, we change your breathing mechanics. 
Then we start working on, okay, let's get your back to relax. So your pelvis and your shoulder blades can go back into a neutral position. And then we have to look at, okay, now you can feel all of that area relaxed, but now we have to teach you how to use your thigh muscles and shoulder blade muscles differently to stabilize you. So you don't revert back to the back muscles that kick in and cause the joint pain, whether it's your toe or your finger, your neck, your back, whatever it is. So obviously major joints that are replaced right now are knees and hips and occasionally shoulders, sometimes hands or joints, certain knuckles. But for in those instances, it still starts with the rib cage. We have to get your rib cage in position so your pelvis gets into position so that muscles that have an abnormal pull on your hip or knee, they start to relax and muscles that you can't even sense not working, we gotta get them to work. And once we can get them to activate and start working, it releases the abnormal pull in the joint. So then the joint space goes closer to a normal, sometimes goes back to normal, sometimes it just moves towards normal and gains you space. And when that happens, typically the reason for surgery is pain or some type of restriction. But if you get rid of the pain and the restriction starts to go away, guess what? They cancel surgery. Mm. Uh, yeah. it, that's that's amazing great. that that can mm. really heal that. Mm -hmm. uh, we yeah. understand that you help people who, like you, run mm -hmm. marathons and ultra marathons. Mm -hmm. How are you able, you mentioned this a bit, but how mm -hmm. are you able to run 50 miles pain-free? So it's the same process of calming my nervous system down. So as long as I can keep calm, then I don't have muscles tightening up that lead to pain. And that's typically in a race. Someone's going for 20, 30, 40, 50 miles. They're in a certain pattern. Usually um, some muscle may start to fatigue out or they're in a pattern that's not exactly suiting their body. It's not a normal pattern of movement. So something typically tightens up or you may be running on a slant or running up a mountain or down or something happens. And so what we do is occasionally you pay attention to your rib cage position, your breathing mechanics, and you feel that release go through your body to release the tight areas. So if I was having pain on the front of my left knee, for instance, as I'm running, I'm going to be practicing this certain breathing technique focusing on releasing, <clears throat> excuse me, releasing my rib cage so that I can activate my hamstring muscle to release the pressure on the front of my knee. And so I go through that process and within a couple minutes, the pain goes away. It was just because my body got slightly off a of position, the nervous system had kicked in, I wasn't focusing on keeping loose and so pain resulted. So I can work my way out of that in the middle of a run. And that's 50 what I teach miles. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even imagine running 50 miles, let alone walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't either. I, I get that. Not at all. I cannot yeah. even envision that. But that's amazing mm -hmm. because that means while you're running, you have to take your concentration back and you're watching all the things around you and you've got mm -hmm. people in front of you and back of you and all that yeah. craziness. And you've mm -hmm. got to somehow get back inside your rib cage and really put yourself back together while you're still moving. It's yes. a meditative trance, isn't it? Um, actually, it's very 
different than meditation. So it's not meditation. It's completely different. So like meditation, you're focusing on your mind. This is all true scientific, like actual physiological stuff in your body we're doing. Hmm. So we're truly causing a physical change in your body. So it's it's different than meditation. They, they go well in hand together, but it is different just because we're focusing on how your body changes and the mechanics of everything so you can truly get yourself out of pain. Um, obviously, there is the, the mental benefit because you feel a lot better when you're out of pain. So that part's great. And, oh, great. How do you help people with trauma or abuse get relief? Mm -hmm. So with this process, you're learning on how to release some of those emotions that are stored in the body that we talked about a little bit ago. Many people who have had trauma, they experience something and it goes into their body. Sometimes they know it's stored there. A lot of times they don't. And a lot of times they've numbed themselves just to be able to get to the next day, the next hour, because the trauma was so bad. And when they start to numb themselves just to get to that next moment, their body stores what they went through and the body holds on to it. And so sometimes they'd never feel these, you know, people, unfortunately, who've suffered something, they don't feel safe in their body. And so they often turn to other substances, other activities to give them a sense of feeling or to just to distract themselves, one of the two. And so what we have to do is we have to work on getting them to feel safe in their body again, to be able to release the tension that's held in certain areas so that the body feels good to them hmm. so that they can then process and move through the trauma. And people are typically working with a psychologist or psychiatrist for the mental strategies as I work with them on the physical release that hmm. they are going through. How do you assess people online, though? So I do this through Zoom, and I look at them one-on-one -on -one, um, or in a group session. We have both options. And I'm looking at how their body moves. How do they reach? How do they bend over? How do they walk? How do they sit? How do they lie down? And we're looking at all of these aspects because that gives me an idea of how much their nervous system is ramped up throughout the day so that if I know all of their patterns of movements are with them ramped up, I know they're going to be at a heightened alert state. And so that then we start working with them. Okay, this is how much your back is doing all of these activities. So your nervous system is going to be ramped up for all of these activities. So first, we have to get you to feel safe in your body. And we start going through a process for that. And we have them go into different positions, practice the breathing. I'm coaching them along as they're going through that constantly just in their ear, telling them, okay, breathe here, do this, do this. And it's just a repetition. And as they're doing it, and as their body changes, I'll tell them, I'll say, okay, you can, the breastbone's dropping in. Okay. Now we want to get that back lowered. We want to get that belly to loosen up. And we just go through that process. I'm curious about sleep disorders because mm -hmm. a lot of older people have sleep problems. Young, younger people don't. Mm -hmm. Same, same process. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. With sleep disorders, one thing to think about is if you hold your body in tension all day long because of stressors. Guess what? Just because you close your eyeballs does not mean your body knows automatically to let go. 
if you have spent 16 hours awake or 20 hours awake where you are holding your body in tension and high alert, now your nervous system thinks, okay, that's how I'm supposed to exist. So when you close your eyeballs at night, your body has forgotten how to let go. And that's why so many people have trouble sleeping because their body doesn't know how to let go. The body is, excuse me, is still in a, a state of, okay, I need to be on edge which goes against our, our desire to sleep, which should be restorative. It should be a letting go process to allow us to, you know, process a day, to allow us to purge metabolic ways, to allow us to go through healing. But if the body is physically set in a, in a fight or flight state, those processes aren't going to be able to happen with as great of efficiency and effectiveness because we can't let go. I'm curious about your books. Can you tell us a little about your books, Don't Quit and Mm -hmm. Success Habits of Super Achievers? Sure. So in those books, it was a compilation. There's many authors, um, very, some very well-known entrepreneurs in those books. And what the Don't Quit and Success Habits, they are both um, a little bit of a story and a lesson of how I developed this process, the 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 resistance I got to it, and how I had to overcome a lot of resistance, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of questioning, and how that led me to working with some very well-known people like Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and how he became a um, big supporter of what I do after he was relieved of some body pain. And it shares the journey also of of living with a mother who had some psychological issues and going through that type of abuse, but then working through that and how I had to, you know, overcome some of these odds to be able to work through this process and develop this technique to help other people. The writing of the books came natural to you as you met the people? Yeah, it did because I... I've studied writing when I was when I was younger and I enjoy writing. And part of the way I write is I see an overall arching story or theme and then I write as if I'm speaking to someone so mm-hmm. that it ebbs and flows and I can tell the story so that people can follow along as if they're just hearing my words. Oh, I love that. Yeah, more authors should pay attention to that kind of thing. <laughs> Let's talk about your photographic work. Mm-hmm. You've been awarded for your photographs, including the National Geographic, Your Shot World Top Photo of the Day. And they can mm-hmm. be seen on your website, which is beautiful, amysimpressions.com. And your photos on there are just stunning. And how did you discover and nourish this talent? Yeah, so back in the end of 2015, I started volunteering for a nonprofit and it was geared towards photography education. So they needed help with some of the logistics of their trips that participants signed up for. And so I just said, hey, I'll I'll volunteer, you know, I'd like to give back. And so I started just volunteering for them. And, And while I was helping, I listened to the instructor teach the participants about photography. And so I also volunteered to edit one of their books, their Photo 101 book. So I started learning more about photography and I just started practicing, you know, after hearing some of the speakers speak. 
and that's how I got into it and um, just started playing with it more and more. And then when I got hired to travel around the world, I was able to practice it on, you know, almost a daily basis, not quite every day, but several times a week and just practice during my off time because I, you know, I was in beautiful locations. So why not take advantage of it? I know you've got amazing photos on there of penguins, mm-hmm. birds in flight, gorgeous scenery and and stunning mm-hmm. lighting on your settings. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And Thank the you. Aurora Borealis and yeah. uh, it's it, your work is spectacular. Thank it's you. it's absolutely gorgeous. Have you ever done a photography book yourself? Not yet. So I was I was um asked to do a a solo art gallery exhibit and I did that for about four months after I came back from Antarctica and the owner of that gallery keeps begging me to do a book and it's in the process but I haven't completed it yet so. oh that's great to hear I our saw listeners on, yeah I saw on the website that. where you could mm-hmm. buy metal prints is that mm-hmm. the right term of yeah, the metal. penguins and I don't I don't know what do, what's a metal print so it's kind of aluminum it's literally it's instead of being on canvas or paper the image is is i guess done with laser on metal on a on some type of aluminum and so what's really nice is the vibrancy you see like on your computer screen that's what you can get with a metal print whereas paper or canvas it kind of washes out images so i usually like to do especially the penguin stuff on a metal background and it's i don't specifically do i use bay photo lab they're excellent on their quality and they're probably a little bit more high price but it's worth it if you want to print and um their quality is excellent so it's on a metal print and what's nice about it is it doesn't fade over time like regular prints do and you know that you frame or on canvas the metal withstands time much better but it's all done on the computer it's not like you're sticking the the film into the soup like they used to do in the old days. So yes, yeah, so this is digital photography, not film camera photography. So all of mine are digital. And so when they, I send them the digital copy to the lab and the lab puts it on like a metal print and then you get that print that gets shipped to you. All of our listeners should check out amysimpressions.com. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. take a just, look. Just gorgeous. It's, right. it's extraordinary. Thank you so much, Amy. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Amy Novotny, founder of the PABR Institute, helping people relieve pain, stress, and anxiety, and photographer extraordinaire. You can reach Amy for a consultation at amy at pabrinstitute.com, and you can find some interesting posts on her Instagram. Go to her website, pabrinstitute.com, for much more info. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Mary and Kathy. It's an honor. And Amy, before we release you, do you have any takeaway you want our listeners to remember today? Absolutely. Periodically throughout your day, check to make sure you're not holding your breath. If you catch yourself holding your breath, One, start breathing, but two, let your gut go. Let your belly go. Stop holding it in. You'll feel so much more relief if you can let your belly out. Really encourage it. Oh, thank you.
That's yes, wonderful. thank you. And always wear elastic pants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And as always, we would like to remind our listeners to follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. Please subscribe to our podcast on your play- favorite platform and write us any comments at lateboomers.biz. B-I-Z. Thanks again, Amy, so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.